padding's that thick, but yeah. the pro the pro glows, man. The padding is that size on it. So even if you catch a shot, you're still feeling the whack off it, you know? And like even like I don't there wasn't a whole lot landed on me, but I had bumps all over me. Yeah, it's just from the impact. Yeah, it's just crazy. And even like it's just from your your hand hitting off yourself and all. But you feel everything, yeah. Yeah, there does be such a big fucking in the you know, when you get to the big leagues, it's like you see it in the all access and all the glove yeah. selection it's just it's not because no. all I was used to using was the big 16 ounces for sparring I used them on the bags and all and then the week of me fight I got gear sent out from RDX and they had uh, fight gloves and I put them on I was like couldn't believe it because it was like I had nothing on me you know and I was hitting the bags and then you're thinking about it that you're going to be getting hit with these and all uh, so your defence is just uh, uh, the has main thing like yeah 100% because it's yeah uh, we always hear people say it's different to the to the amateur game to the to this to the pro. But I thought you, you didn't think it was that detailed. You know, what the whole biggest thing was the whole. It's like an event kind of you know. Like the, I'm used to weighing in eight o'clock in the morning. Then you fight at eleven o'clock. Do the same thing every day. But that I weighed in at one o'clock the day before on uh, the Friday. And then you're sitting around all day waiting to fight for the next thirty odd hours. So you're just thinking about the fight all the time. And like. You just think of these mad scenarios and you think of you yeah. going out and knocking him out and him knocking you out and the fight's just on your head constantly and you can try to avoid it as much as you want, but it's just you just have to live with it. Yeah, it's uh did you find that the biggest thing? Yeah. Like I had every intention to knock sparking him first round. I thought that um I was gonna stop him one round. Watching him I watched clips of him for weeks and I was like, Grant, I went down and hit him straight away. And I was like, yeah, you can't you, really. I was like, yeah, you're meant to be going down now, you know, you're not meant to be still up. And then it kind of just throws the whole thing out and you just have to go with it kind of. But uh, it's just thinking and you put yourself on a pedestal, you know, and you think you're going to do everything perfect and but it just doesn't happen. So it makes exceptional fighters and to be able to adapt. It, and, yeah. and it's not just adapt physically, it's mentally as well. Yeah. Did you find when you were, so when you hit him and you, like other lads, you might stop and spar and and, and he wasn't he was kind of still standing even there even that like we were sparring lads like that are 10 kilo heavier than me for the, for the whole camp and I'm hurting them and they're wincing and they're turning around now but then you have this boy and he's a hungry tough lad you know what I mean and he was in there to win he came to win because he had a 2-2 two two record yeah. so that was the difference between him having a positive and a negative record he's probably going to be a journeyman now in a way fighter permanently mm. and he came for it you know so but he wasn't like if you look at most of the lads for their debut, they get someone with four wins and 20 odd losses. Like, so they gave us a hard one kind of to test what we're about. Yeah. Did you have any say in that? Did you turn around? Because I you know a lot of people, especially debuts, or they, they, they like to pad the record. Like, you go in and it's an easy walk off, one, two rounds. No, I didn't really say. I just said whoever you want. I didn't even ask for names or nothing. Um, they said basically after it, they wanted to just see what we're about. So they gave us a hard fight to do with most of the prospects at this line. They, had, they were happy with it though because they knew what, what he was coming as well you know because he had a decent amateur career as well but uh, there's more did possible. he? yeah you think he, he won like a Midlands title and something mad like that as well like so he was a tough boy like speaking of amateur careers world bronze medalist European silver yeah. medalist three time national champion yeah fought for Ireland over what, yeah, 10 20, 15 times 20 odd times it would have been yeah like my first time was 13 boxing for them against Scotland and then just kept going with it, kept rolling. But um, the first time was mad, you know, because I won me nationals and then you got the show. I got a show a few weeks later at the foot against Scotland and I showed up, it was up in Monaghan. And you were like, your boy pulled out, but we have another boy here that's a year older, that he'll fight you from Scotland. So is it grand? He was a year older and like four kilo heavier. How old you when this was happening? 13. Right. So when you're at 13, like yeah. 13 to 14 is a big difference. And then like 56 kilo to 60 kilo is a big difference, yeah. you know? Remember the first two rounds, I boxed the years off him, like easy work, and then he clipped me. First time I've ever been hurt, and I got a standing eight count for it. I was like, didn't know what was going on, but I won the fight anyway. But it was just that was like put into perspective, hitting like that international yeah. level. You know? Let's go, let's go back to the start. So, what age did you actually start? When when did you put on the gloves? Um, like when the first time I went to a boxing club, I was seven. But before that, like I just I was mad about it. You know, I used to watch it when I was three, four, five years old, and I'd be shadow boxing in the kitchen and yeah. all, you know. And I knew the stances and all, I knew it was a southpaw, I knew the whole lot. And uh, like, I'd sit up, watch Brian O'Don, Amir Khan, watch it all, and I'd do the shadow boxing. And then, um, this was annoying me mad to go down and join. And she knew, we had to be nine to join. And she brought me down to uh, Bald Oil. And they say, no, you have to be nine. And my mom was like, you know, it was everything. She was like, Paul Shams. So I, <laughs> I, I jumped in the boxing stance and I started shadow boxing now. 
and they're like, um, right, we'll give you a trial. You can come down one day a week on a Sunday. And they're like, man, you have to sit outside and wait because if you ask the bollocks, you're taking them. No way. Mouse like, grand. And just from there, like, I think within three weeks, I was allowed to do the three sessions a week. And then within a month, I was sparring and all. So it was just meant to be, I think. 100%. It's, uh, you even, you even went from, I remember the first time I met you was in Team Rhino. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And you were doing the, I walked in the junior MMA class and you were there. And then I didn't see you for a while and then you were boxing. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to, I just used to do it because obviously Andy was there and the classes were there. I used to do that in the jits as well. But uh, I got a leg kick off Neil Seary and that was the end of my MMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used good luck to that. No one certainly wasn't wearing shin pads. No, he wasn't at all either. Uh, so... How long were you training before you competed first? Uh, my first foot was at 11, so I would have been training four years. And then that first year, I stopped everyone in the first round because obviously I was doing the boxing and the MMA when I was like 11 years old. Yeah. So to all these other kids, I was blowing them out of the water. But then I met in the national semi-final, I met this bleeding bogger, mad, tough, culture headed fella, you know. And he just kept coming at me and coming at me. He bet me by like one point, but then I just stood it, uh, stepped it up and kept going and cracked my national title then. When did you, what, what year and what hall do you, when you done the, the Europeans was first? Yeah, that was 2013, I think. Um, I was only, what was like 14 at that? Yeah, 14. That was my first international competition. Um, I had enough international experience going into it. Like, you get your friendlies with, like, England, Scotland and all. I remember weighing into it. And um, it was out in Dublin, actually, the first year. So I was freaked. I wanted to go to Russia, you know, get oh, a bit yeah. of trouble in. But uh, it was in Dublin, and I remember we were all weighing in. And everyone was sitting around saying, like, oh, who do you hope you get? And all, and everyone was saying, the easy countries. And I remember the head coach asked me, who do you want to get? And I said, Russia, because, you know, they're the top country. And he laughed at me, really. He walked away. And the next day, the draw's done. And I get the boy to the quarterfinal. And Russia and Ukraine are fighting each other. And I get the winner of that. And he says, to me, you, got, you got your wish? And I said, yeah, I know. And uh, a semi-final, a quarterfinal's come, and I get the Russian. And everyone's sitting around watching, because I was the first Irish to box a Russian. And I absolutely smoked him. Easiest fight in my life. And no one could believe it. I knew I was going to beat him because I had the style for Russians. You know, they just come forward yeah. for three rounds, like the tail I made. And then um, semi-finals, I boxed a Turkish fella. And he was probably the quickest young fella I've ever boxed in my life. The hand speed of him, I couldn't read him. The hardest fight in my life. Um, so I had to change the whole game plan. I started to go forward, just change the whole thing. But I won that on a split decision. And then we got to the finals of the Europeans. And it was against Armenia. But at that stage, I, we knew we had that gold medal because mm. that was the hardest fight you could get, have. And um, we have Armenia. So first round, I get a nose blade. I win the first round pretty easy. And I, but I get a nose blade, it's really bad. But I suffer with them my whole life. Get them cauterized twice, hasn't done that. And um, halfway through the second round, the referee stops it, brings me to the doctor. The doctor looks, why is the fight off? So he gets the decision. Because it didn't go past the second round. So you won't be, you are, it was just a doctor's. Oh, I walked home with a silver medal. He walked home with a gold medal, you know. Um, and we got the scorecards. So I won the first round. Halfway through the second round. Yeah. What can you do? So you're on your way to gold medal until the doctor waits it off. Yeah. What, 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 how did you adapt that style? Because usually now when you go into box, it's, how did you actually adapt that hit and knock a hit style? Where did you get that Honest from? Honest to God, I have no idea. Because um, my boxing club was in Clubaric and it was like a real rough club, you know. Um, like yeah, everyone there was fighters, and I think that might have been why, because I was the youngest there and the lightest, and I was put in with the heavier lads, and I knew if I was getting a smack and going to feel it. Mm. So I think I just developed a bit more yeah. defensive, you know, and you had a bit of success with it, and I kept going with it, and then the coaches obviously recognised it and they developed it. But when I went to play performance, the Irish team, they have one style, and they're just going to fit everyone into that. So they just changed me completely when I went there. What style was that? What were they trying to make? They it? just have a kind of a come forward, like, it's a weird one, because they got some of it from the Russians and some of it from the Cubans, and they mi mixed it, but it's just like a conveyor belt, you're going to box this way, and if you don't, you're not on the team. I remember my own coaches actually noticed it and weren't happy with it, and they mm. said it, and they were basically told, if you don't like it, you can take them out. There's nothing, I think that's the difference between a good coaches. obviously coaching good your fighter, but let him be who he is, because yeah, yeah. You, could, you could change a fighter and sh like, if they tried to change you and then that story wouldn't sit well with you. I think the fundamentals are the fundamentals, you know. You're going to teach everyone that. There's a blueprint to that, but you have to let them be their own. You have to let them express themselves as well, yeah. you know. Um, you can't have robots. It won't work. 
So were you did you continue on with the high performance? Continued on, but I just didn't. I just done me, you know. Yeah. And I remember before the Europeans, it was they your man, the, that same head coach turned to me and says, "You can't box like that against a Russian because he'll walk you down and he'll hurt you and he'll just put you under pressure." It's no problem because he'll be rushing home. Don't worry. And after that, then the rest is you know. But from there, they they kind of spoil the the high performance and the IABA, you know. They don't like you. They don't like your club. You're not going to get a look it's in with them. Really. It's isn't it? all clicks and circles, yeah. Is that funding in for Irish boxes? Like Huge that? funding, yeah. Um, and it's like if you were so if you were on the head, if you were the head developing coach, you're probably making seventy grand a year, you know, which is good Jesus. fucking money, like you know. So but obviously that reflects then on how many medals you win, how many you know whatever you're producing. Yeah, yeah. So, but then it's like great. Um, he's in this club, so we're going to give him his boxes through. He's not. You know, so it's all about where your club is, if they're in the circle, if they're not. If you have someone there that's on the board, if you don't have someone on the board, you're not getting any luck, you know. Was was going going forward with the world, was that in Russia? Yeah, that was in Russia, yeah. That was a deadly experience, actually. Um, we done four weeks training camp out in Dublin, and then we went out to Russia. Uh, and that was, I knew it was going to do well. So for that competition, you have to have a qualifier, obviously, but... um. And so every time there's a national, you have to qualify for it within Ireland, like a national competition. Uh, and the first international competition was the Europeans in March. So they held a qualifier in February for that. Oh, yeah. Well, I entered the qualifier and I got beaten in the semi-final to qualify for the Europeans. Yamanda bet me went on to win gold in the Europeans, right? Come June, they have a qualifier for the world championships. And I meet Yamanda in the finals. I beat him and I go on to get a world bronze medal. Let me ask you, just stop it there, right? So he beats you, goes winning gold, yeah. and you step in against him. What's the thought process like when you know you, he stands the other side of the ring? You know the last outcome. What's he, your thought process? Is it just this is? I've boxed fight? this boy four times. He beat me three times. I beat him one. Every time he's beat me, it's been a split decision, and I'll call a spade a spade. But the, he's never bet me once, mm. really. You know, um, I met him, and I looked. I knew I had his number, the guy, and I knew the work I'd done. I wasn't going to be denied, you know, but. Um, and even that, like, I got a split decision win, and it was nowhere near it. But that's the thing, like, they have a they have a biasness against um, Dublin boxers, you know. They hate them. They want culture. They want the country boxers in because everyone yeah. on the board are from the country. They don't like the dubs. Um, but when I won that and I got onto the team, there was talk about them making us do a box off, you know, just to get him back <laughs> on. And, the, and just me, like, it wasn't like they're doing a whole yeah. a whole team box off. It was, they were just me. They're like. You might have to get you to do a test bar or something like that. Hey, I, I welcome the just go ahead and do it, but uh, that's just how they play, you know. It's dirty. Did yeah. you ever think about going for the Olympics? Never. Like, I knew that, I know you have to have a good amateur career to get recognised as a pro. So it's going to do whatever you have to do. But yeah. um, I've watched the, the, the deterioration of the high performance on the Irish team over the last five or six years. And when I got to the age of 20, I just got fed up with it. Um, and I said, I'm not, I said, realistic, I'm not getting to the Olympics. So I can wait for four years and do the whole cycle and get robbed. Or I can go now and go pro. Because there wasn't a hope I was getting onto the national team to get to the qualifiers. But then, we fucking like, with COVID. That's the thing. You'd be well, sitting then, on the yeah. sideline twiddling your thumbs. Like those lads now, like, are they going to go ahead? Are they not, you know? And then, they're, so they're talking about now, they're just going to qualify people through ranking. So how can you do that, you know? You're not giving everyone yeah. their fair share. It's just, it's not right. What do you think it, what do you think about uh, amateur boxers fighting now without headgear? It's wrong, you know, because like you fight five days in a row, you're going to get yeah, cut. You're going, like, Especially with these new studies and CTE, and yeah. they're saying now that footballers, you know, when yeah. the goalkeeper kicks down, they jump you up. Can't header it. Yeah, you That's can't, having yeah. bad, bad so that, so imagine, like, But they're saying that, don't you say the headguard contributes to concussion? The heat, the headguard builds up a temperature yeah. and the heat and the brain swells. So it's, I'm guessing it's more closer yeah. to the actual impact. Yeah, maybe. But I think, like, if you're fighting five days in a row, you're going to get banged up, you know, you're going to get caught. For free. I probably, yeah, sometimes no, at your own yeah. expense. Like, that's what I'm saying. But the thing is, like, they're kind of, they're nasty with it, you know. I entered into, my last senior competition I entered in was 2019. And I'd done the whole training and all. We got the draw. We got the number one fella in the country. So fair enough, it is what it is. We get in the fight, we lose, and I put my hands up, I lost the fight. But then we find out a week later, he done an international sparring camp hmm. behind closed doors with yeah, the high performance, yeah. you know. So they brought him away and gave him sparring. And you were on the high performance as well. No, I'm not on it, but right. the whole thing is, so before our national competition, the high performance is broken up. 
Everyone goes training wasn't for their own him. club. Everyone goes does their own training and you earn a spot back onto the team. He goes and gets brought behind closed doors, gets top sparring with France, Spain, Italy, just to be looked after, you know. Now, he won the fight, end of, but mm. he was given a definite advantage definite. for it, you know. What, what determines who, get, who gets, the, was he from Dublin, no? No, he's from Galway. So that's yeah. it. His coach is a high-performance high coach. His coach is Da, is a referee on the high-performance. <laughs> and it's been like that in that club, you know. It's, so it's, he's in the clique. He fits the mold. Yeah. They want him on the team. They don't want me, who has no connections to the high performance, no real loyalty, nothing at all. They don't want me there. They want someone like that. It's not watching out too, you know, isn't it? it? It's it's one of those dirty sports it's out there. Sitting, like, and you see it from the age of eleven up to the Olympics. Like, did they ever put you off? No, no, oh, because I I knew just by your time, just wait, and you'll, you'll get there. But like you'll see it from literally eleven year olds coming out of the ring, heartbroken, walking away from the sport because. Four people around the ring who never boxed in their life and they're only there through who they know mm. and saying, no, you're not good enough. It's not right, is it? No, it's terrible. And you're seeing more, more talented young fellas walking away from it because of that than that. That's dirty. dirty. So did your, did your amateur club mould the style you have now? That 100%, long range. Yeah, 100%. And then I left my amateur club halfway through because I went out, I was out in um, Blanchardstown a bit more. I was in uh, college and working out there, so I joined the club out there, but I knew the coach there, and I liked his style of suit me, and it was that same thing. It was the long range, counter-punching, and just honed it, really. And now I got kind of sucked into the pro. Everyone thinking you have to be inside work, you know, walking forward, brawl, and yeah. type of thing. You don't have to. I'm back now with a coach that is pushing me back to what got me to the dance, you know? Like, I've probably, like, my footwork, my long me long punches me hand speed quick combinations that's what I win fights you know yeah especially in the last fight it was your stray punches they were like pistons on point that's the thing like everything you throw is just snapping the head back it that's was, what's gonna catch the yeah. eye you know you do carry a lot of power yeah but I don't I don't know it's like I find it weird I don't I don't express it enough you know yeah like when I'm in sparring and there's no no pressure no weight I'm hurting young for this big young for this and I'm dropping up body shots and I'm folding them but then when you're in there, like you just don't, because you have more yeah. weight, you have more pressure. Look, you four fight. rounds, man. You're gonna have a great career ahead, and it's saying, gonna be. It's just learning now, like it's kind of just getting used to the whole, the whole dance of it, you know, um, the way in, the walk out, everything like that. Yeah. You ever think about, or did you ever think about working with a sports psychologist? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd like to. I read a good bit as well, but I do. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. You seem quite intelligent. I know, and for a boxer, you seem quite like. You're set in your ways, you're intelligent yeah. about it, you know what's best for you, you don't let anybody, you'll take a voice on, this is what it seems like, you'll take a voice on, but you don't let it change you, even if it is someone with a reputable reputation. Yeah, no, we'll take everything on, um, whether they're reputable or not, you know, and I know really what I'm going, like, I'll listen to everyone, but I know what I'm going to do really, you know, yeah. <laughs> whether it's good or bad for me, but, um, like, there's people there that opinions matter to me, and there's people that's not, you know, so it's just kind of playing ball with them. Yeah. So, what coach are you working with now? Met with uh, P. Taylor, and he probably has the best. He one hundred percent has the best stable in the country. Like, um, he has Gary Cully, who just won European title. Luke Hula, two-time European champion. Tommy McCarthy, uh, European light heavyweight champion. He's going for a world title shot soon. So, like, he has the best of the best in the country. And then he's been around the game a lot for a long time. You know, like what he's done with Katie. Mm-hmm. And then he's had other boxers like Adam Nolan. He had as well. He was a 2012 Olympian, a four-time elite champion. Um, and then obviously he has Davy Oliver Joyce as well. He was an Olympian and a European champion. So the results are there, you know. Yeah, even to be around them every day. That's the thing. Like you're getting work with high-level lads, and all it does is bring you on because you need to be with boys that are your level or better just to bring you on and give you a push. What, what do you think about strength and conditioning? Do you, do, do you factor that much into yeah, your training? Yeah, really, really. I'm a big uh, believer of it. Um, I used to love lifting weights. I still do. Last camp that I just done, I didn't lift any weights, but I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to doing it. Um, yeah, I just like doing uh, the your conventional lifts, um, Olympic lift, squat, deadlift, uh, bench press. That's all I do. I wouldn't be bleeding, doing bicep curls or nothing like that. Yeah. Um, and then like a bit of TRX, body weight. But I think um, your sprint work is the most important thing you can do, you know? Yeah, anything to emulate that. That high, that burst, recover, burst, recover, you know. Mm. Do you do much plyometric works? I did you for the last camp. 
No, I didn't for the last one, but it's something again I'd definitely bring in. I think it was neglected a bit. Um, I think you have to be sport specific, you know? Like, yeah, 100%. You know, road work is good and you need to get it in, but you're not a runner at the end. Like going out and doing 10K every night, like you're not going to be doing that pace in a no, fight. You'd be more beneficial going out and doing 10 rounds of sprints. Doing, or... doing 10, 100 meter sprints with short recovery, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you're going to be doing. Or 400 meter sprints and stuff like that. But um, you need to have it all tailored to get your benefits for what you're going to be doing down the road. How did your cardio, how did you feel the later rounds, like three and I was four? actually dry. I didn't, I kept it quiet, but I was actually sick for the whole camp up to that. I had an eye infection three weeks out. Were you sparring on it? I think it was just ran, just from being run down, but the oh, whole really? eye shut up, completely closed up. And then I got the mumps a week out. So I had a big lump on the side of my face. I couldn't spar and um, burning up, killing me. For, I had pain. I was on antibiotics and painkillers and all. So that was definitely a factor as well, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy what goes on behind closed doors, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, like the camp is, out. you know, the fight is the smoothest thing, you know. If you get to the fight, that's the easy bit. But um, there was never a doubt I wasn't going to win, you know. I knew the work that was done. And I knew at my skill level that whether it's a hard fight or an easy fight, I'm going to come out on top. And I know that kind of with everything. Yeah. You seem to be a big boxing fan, even when you're talking about the fight. You seem to be, like, it's all you think about, it's all you... It's all I want to do, like, you know... I'd be sitting around and, you know, you're watching some blade and whatever the missus puts on. You're just, your mind's a hundred miles away. You're just thinking of boxing, the training. And, like, you do something that morning in the gym and then you say, great, I actually didn't do that that good. I need to be better at it. I should have done this, should have done that. And it's literally, you know, it's a cliche they say it's the last thing you think of and the first thing you think of. But that's literally it. Like, I'm obsessed with it, you know. Do you ever want to do anything else? Never. Ever. Like, even in school. I wouldn't do homework or not. I'd go into, jo- I'd go into a geography class and you say, where's your homework? I said, I don't need geography. I'm not going to be a pro. I don't need that. And you could ask me, man, I'd get bleed murder over it. You know, I just wouldn't bother with that. And they gave me when I was applying for college and all, I didn't want to do it. What did you sign up for? International business. But we didn't know business doing that, you know. Yeah. I got a scholarship and all for it and I showed up for like three weeks and just went back to the gym. Um, like I used to get the bus out I used to pretend to be mad I was going and I loved it and all I'd get the bus out to scale across the road and get the bus back home so she'd be Would in work yeah. so she'd be in work by the time I was back home this is probably the first time she's hearing yeah, about probably it. yeah <laughs> there was one day she was up having a shower I ran and I hid behind the couch in my front room she thought I was out in college and I was like that hunched down how old are you when you're doing this? 21 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hiding because she, she just thought I'd loved it and all so I didn't have the heart to tell her I hated it and I'm hiding and she walks out and she goes home uh, out to work and it was just stuff like that I was doing I just had no interest at all doing it it seemed like you do have a support family behind you though oh no that great yeah like that it's like that though like my ma pushed me for education and it to, you know just to get something to fall back on but I won't do that and she'll still support me you know mm. it's like even or even like you know I'll have kind of I'll bump heads with my dad because he wants the best for me and he'll push me for it and push me for it and I don't see it you know but they really do. They even like my uncle Andrew gives me an awful lot. My girlfriend's great. Like I've a really good team there around me, um, and I wouldn't be doing it without them. It's, half oh, the it's so important half to have. Lot. You don't have people there that are pushing you and are actually helping you out. You know, truly care about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? At, just outside the ring as well. That's hugely important. Like I started working when I was seventeen, just because I wanted my own money. You know, but my dad was saying, "Don't work, I'll support you." And all he was going to do that for me. You know, um, obviously I couldn't do that, but yeah, there's still the love there and the support that he was going to do with that you know he says just train full time if I wanted to drop out of school at 17 he would have let me you know just to train it's nice to have that someone to have that belief yeah, in you no, it's great yeah and they've always had it from even like if I have a bad fight or whatever I know that doesn't matter because they mm. know what I'm going to do and they still push me they know what you're capable yeah. of 100% so how did the switch move from going from amateur to pro but then making the move to Boston so I had my last fight in September 2019 and I remember just getting changed after it and I just said that's that's enough for me that's I want it for you. yeah I want it I want it easy but I just said that'll do I just have nothing else I'm not like I didn't have the fire there for amateur boxing you know I never got into it becoming an Olympic gold medalist you yeah. know there's boys that'll do it that want to be an Olympic gold medalist I couldn't have given Two a rat's about it yeah? yeah I wanted to have a belt around my waist and be a pro, uh, world champion so is right I'm gonna have a little look around I put the word out a bit I wanted to go to America because I thought that was the best place for me to be and I put the word out and within about a month I was getting offers from New York 
Boston, LA. When you say you're getting offers from what? Like are these management companies? Management and trainers. Like they right. were gonna set me up for promotional and everything. So Boston, New York, there was Philadelphia, Miami, Canada, and LA. Why are these reaching out? Was it just because of the, the amateur? Yeah, so it's yeah, like, they'll see that they'll, and then like it's weird how it works over there. Like word spreads like so quick over there, you know. How are you putting word out? Like who are you saying? Do you just come and say? I'll put a public and then like those like you know, mm. like you know people that know people, you say to them, they'll pass the word on and then like there'd even be like crowds that you just probably put the message out and say, Look, I'm interested yeah. in going pro if you want to have a talk and like I had I think there was three people from Boston onto me, people from Philadelphia and all, but like it was just overwhelming, you know. And they're like to you, don't talk to this person before you talk to yeah. me, don't go over here before you go here. And then um, I just looked at it from a business point and I said, an Irish fella's not going to do too well selling tickets over in LA, you know, no. as a Hispanic area. Boston's going to be the best place for me. So I flew over there with me dad and my girlfriend in uh, November 2019. I went to a few gyms. I met a few people and um, I'd done a deal with what I thought was a great deal. Well, it was a good deal, to be honest. Um, I had a world-class trainer. His name was Hector Bermudez. He coached seven world champions. Yeah. Um, I went over and sparred in his gym one morning and they threw me in with Mark DeLuca who was a number five ranked light middleweight at the time and he was told to take me head off just to put it on me you know didn't think they weren't really to me he put out, he hit me with big shots but nothing, nothing you're still there nothing that deterred me nothing that put me off and they were kind of a bit shocked by it and he came over to me and he says we'd love to have you so signed the deal and then that was November January I moved out over there, do the full-time move, and going great. I was getting sparring with, like, uh, Rashidi Ellis, Mark DeLuca, Greg Vendetti, all world title challengers, world champions, and then um, COVID hits. I'm back home. I thought when it first happened, I'd be home and back out within four weeks or something. I didn't even bring any gear with me. Yeah, no one knew what COVID I was left, I left it all in the bedroom there. Because <laughs> Hector has a gaff there, all the fighters living. Yeah. I left us all my gear. I brought a bit of carry-on gear. And then, I think it was... Gion was still home and I was kind of scratching my head a bit. And I wasn't getting word from the from my manager at the time. I wasn't getting any talk from him because we were trying to get a visa sorted, a P1. I was, I was on him about any word with the visa, any word, nothing. wasn't getting any messages back. Like you weren't getting any response back at all? Nothing at all, no. And then like it'd be like, you know, I'd give him like a, a stern message, it'd be like, mm. get fed up or story. Then I'd get a little, oh yeah, we're working on it, we'll be in touch. Yeah, you know? lead you on. Grand. Come um, September, I just had absolutely enough of it. And uh, we tried to get it. We were getting out of contract and he just made it messy, but we got out of it. And then MTK came along and offered us a contract. So that was a dream. Like, they're, the, in the they're the biggest crowd over here, you know? And within that, we got signed, got a fight in four weeks. But that obviously it fell through. But they showed how quick they can get stuff moving, you know? Hmm. So would you think it was a blessing in disguise? Not actually. Would you still like be training in Boston, but under different management with the same coaches? Are you happy here? No, I'm, I'm actually very happy here. And I always thought it was like um, the grass is greener on the other side type of thing, you know? And then yeah. you get over there and you're like, right, you're away from your family. You're away from your friends. I was living in a house with eight other blokes. None of them spoke English. They all spoke Spanish and French. They're all from like Belgium, uh, South America and all. So... I was on my own, I was in a bunk bed and all, and you're just watching Netflix all day, you train twice a day. But it's like, isolating as it is. Yeah, it's hard on the head as well, more than that, you know. Like even over here, when you're in camp, it's, you're limited. It's not like you can go yeah. out with the missus and go to Krispy Kreme and yeah, exactly, isolate yeah. to what you can do, but then you're on your own over there. Like, lads really don't even speak English. You don't have no, 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 that bandwidth, nothing like that. So it's like, right, did I make a mistake here? And then, like, I was only 20 at the time, I was over there for my 21st birthday, you know. So like you're getting calls and all when you went to be over there for a home for your birthday and you're like, oh, what am I doing? But it was good. I think it was character building more than that, you know, because I'd done that for nine weeks, I think. And I was like getting up, going train, coming home, and then like nothing, you're just resting because you can't do anything else. Train again. Like you're training 14, tw- uh, 13, 14 times a week and all, you know. Because these boys from South America, that's all they're trying to do is just make a few bob, yeah. you know. No, but it's mad. Um, but I'm actually happy that um, it didn't work out, you know. Because I saw a quote, sometimes what didn't work out did work out, you know. Um, I'm over here. I'm in a good place now. With all my friends, all my family all around. family, that's the main thing. It's the main thing. I can come home, just chill out with the board, with, with my family, and just relax, you know, switch off from training. And then, like, it's a lot easier. Even for stuff like, silly stuff like that, you wouldn't think of, like, sponsorship and all. Like, if you want to, no one's going to give some... 
foreign sponsorship, you know. Over here, they're going and they're with MTK. They're going to be jump, they're jumping at you, you know. What's it like working with MTK? Did they did they push it to? Oh, they're brilliant. Yeah, no, like I've asked for. So when I fought there, April seventeenth, I got straight back onto them and said, "I want to be out in May." They said, "No, we're not. You're, you're taking your time." So I asked them for. I had I knew all the dates for the rest of the year. So I showed them. I says, "May, June, July." He says, "I'll take all three of them, or you can get me at one of them." He says, "No, we're going to keep you till August." you're 22 we're not going to rush you even at that that's that's three months they knew I was going to a new camp so they want me to adjust even that's a short time for that's them. what I'm saying yeah. 12 weeks yeah so that's the whole thing like, I'm still going to get four this year so they're saying we just want you to learn mm. your craft you know we're not rushing you you're seems t- like they care that's it they do care 100% and they have a plan you know they know what they're doing but like I think you see it with like even at the UFC when a young prospect Science, they get thrown to the wolves kind of there's don't no, they? yeah there's no not that it's padding but you don't know like if you're like, fighting like you could be fighting the next world beater you know could be fighting the next John Jones yeah. or, and, and you like, don't I think know. you started with Norcutt didn't you yeah to him, like, obviously he had a big profile but he got just thrown in he brought uh, Cosmo Alexander who's yeah. an absolute murderer like, yeah. goes in and I think broke his nose in three places what's he, what's he 24 or something he's his, that's a not an career and an injury but you're taking about two three years off your career when you, of that. when you get to them places and you get them big like that stays in your head when you're getting them big shots even inspiring like, it will them dark places you go to like that stays there forever and you don't want to go back there you know no. so we can either make it or break it like there's a time and place where you'll take your step up when you're you know 10 fights in or whatever they'll give you a hard fight but mm. things like that when you're debuting or two fights in and they're pushing you that quick so I'm happy that they are kind of really pulling the reins back a bit on me because if it wasn't my thing, I'd have a fight every month. Yeah. You know? I do every, you train now and now. I, I do every <laughs> six weeks. Like I said that, the first yeah. thing I said to them, I said, kind of go every six weeks and they said, not a hope. You know? Yeah, but it's good to have somebody in a sport where it can be so yeah. thrown towards lonely and and just kind of using it as a mule, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because that's the, so I got an offer before I signed with them with Frank Warren out in London, you know, he was going to for promotion and management. Um, and I look back and I thought about it because obviously you know he's one of the biggest in the world but it says where on the priority list will I be with him you know yeah. like how much how much is he going to actually care about me I know MTK seen I have some shady deals with him as well he's kind of yeah, he's a bit of, I think he was a bit of a crook back in the game yeah, but still is, you know but uh, I was like where really am I going to be on that priority list and I actually spoke to MTK about it and this is how I knew that they were the team to go with and I said to him look they, they reached out to me this is what it is and he says just tell them that you're talking to us and see what they come back with you. And I knew, I knew that because they weren't like, no, don't go to him, don't be like that yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, they weren't trying to control you from the get go. Yeah, I knew that they were a good crowd, you know, and they were good people. But um, I'm really happy that I signed with them because they have every fighter I've talked to, they really look after you know. And even like um, they had Davy Oliver signed there. He had a hard career, but he's retired now, and they brought him and his whole family out to Dubai for a month, you know, and. They gave him a job and all, and they're looking after you post career as well, you know. That has to be somewhat like feeling not secure, but well looked after yeah. in a sport that's really seen. Because you know, you know yourself how easy it is for just as soon as you're done, you're thrown off to the side. Now you're forgotten about. Hundred percent. It's it's that's it's a, that's a box. It's where they just drain you, and they're then as soon up, as, as you spit you out, yeah, yeah. Once you have nothing to give, like you're just dead to them. They and you care. have like it's not like. Boxers don't have education where they're put through, like other sports, like especially in America now. You walk and get a degree that when I have yeah, like you'll like see it in the football. Everything like I know. You're not getting signed unless you have a college degree, you know? Yeah. And if you get dropped, you know, like there's your chances of being signed gone. But in boxing, it's a working class sport, isn't it? So they, they just pick you up and throw you away. Yeah, it's, uh, especially when your family, kids, all yeah. these things look after you. You do feel it. I think I was, I was, uh, Obviously, there was talks about the big boys making money, and that's all you see. Yeah. So when you walk in, you see Mayweather, Canelo, all these boys making big money, and then you look at like that's the one percent of boxing. Yeah, like there's actual study done. I think three percent of fighters make above fifty grand a year. Three percent. Three percent of fighters. That's worldwide. And then if you compare that, there's fifty another, there's grand a, a year. There's another study done. Twenty-five percent of fighters take on brain injury in their career. So what's the risk and reward? You know? Do you ever think about that? No. Not really, no. Your style is literally, it's... It's not even about the style, right? but I just, I, I honestly, I don't care. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you can't stop and think about it and think what if and 
it's a risk I'd be willing to take ten, yeah. seven days a week, you know, because um, I have a chance to do what I've wanted to do from when I was seven years old, and I'm doing it as a career now. So if happens, you've no plan B. No, just took the safety net away because I was in college and I was working and all, but you're not giving your all to it. You're just because your your hours are divided, yeah. you know. What do you think about that actual that mentality if someone comes and say, "Oh, look." Go to college part time, even two nights a week, and but you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Do you think that's? I know you're doing it, but do you do you feel that's the best thing because you, you're not your mind's a hundred percent inboxing? I think at this stage in my career, it is. They go, I'll hundred percent go back to college mm. down the road, maybe you know. But yeah, what old are you? Twenty two. So I can give ten years of my life to this one hundred percent. Then I'm thirty two. Well, I worked with I worked with a lad about two years ago on a site. He was 35 and a four-year apprentice. Something, you know. Three, 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 two. It's really a year to two years hard financially. Yeah. After three, four years, like you, that's it. You're making up to 60 grand a year. Even you know like, what I mean? Kenny Egan, he is an Olympic silver medalist, but he done that. He sacrificed his whole life. Came out the other end of it. Came out the wrong end of it, but got a degree in psychology, and now he has a real job out of it. So yeah. it's not the end of the world, you know. Ten years, 32. Either I'm gonna be. I know I'm gonna be a world champion. But then there's the one percent chance that if I don't, right, I'll go back go back to school. Yeah, and you have great support behind you. That's see it as well, like you know. So there's no stress about it. Like there's no animosity around. I know that I can get up every day and just keep doing this, and I'll be looked after. Yeah. So going forward, you're gonna be sticking with Pete Taylor. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'm only it's only my first week out there, but like I've been taken in with full with open arms, which is. Good, because you know yourself. You go to a new gym, yeah, there's nerves. You know, yeah, yeah. you're not. You feel like you're going to be kind of thrown to the wolves. Yeah. Oh, that's you, you've already enabled yourself. I said, like that's what, so you'll be putting in with a lad. He's saying, right, this is Paul Ryan. He signed with a big company. Let's try, you know, prove something. Yeah, bit. we're gonna we're gonna show him. Yeah. like well, who we are. Yeah. So, but there was none of that. You know, you're brought in. You're getting stick straight away, and you're having a laugh with them. So. One of them actually said to me, the fact that they're slagging you means you're welcome. Yeah, if they were being them. all standoff, if, you want, if they're being quiet with you, it meant you weren't like Such an Irish thing. Because even when my board started, came to the family, you know, and she first got, when she got close, and like, everyone started giving a stick and all, and just putting it on her. You know, you know, Andrew and all, they yeah. all put it on her. And all you had to say to her, like, if they weren't slagging you, it would be more worried. There'd you know? be something worried. If they were yeah. being killed with you, it would be worried. You know, the fact that they're slagging you means they're accepted, kind of. But it is just an Irish thing, isn't it? We used to, when I, I, I dropped out of school and uh, I'd be, I'd be trying to f- like full time. So we do a Nogi or Jiu Jitsu class in the morning and then we'd always meet for coffee. Yeah. And me, me and Andy would be sitting there, a few of the lads, and you'd know, right, things are good. He'd turn around and be like, Jack, if you're gay, you're gay. Like, it is what it is. And he'd just yeah. be saying, and the stick would just flow in, yeah. flow in. He doesn't actually, that's how you know, especially, yeah, uh, it's such an Irish thing. That's how you know. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, with the click. Yeah. But that's like, as soon as I, like the first day, Monday morning is there, I was getting called a reject. I was getting called everything under the sun, you know, and it was just a laugh, you know, just banter. So I knew, yeah, this is a good place for me. And then it was like that. I'm in the ring with Gary Cully, who's in his career, he's a level above me. He's, 12 and 0 European champion. champion yeah. So he's where I want to be in two years' time, you know. So I'm looking at that. It's great to be around that minds, picked up brains because he's, as you said, he's small but ahead yeah. and he's done the So walk. you have him, uh, he's a WBO European champion, uh, 12 and 0. So that's where I want to be in two years. But then you have like Tommy McCarthy, uh, Cruz away. He's yeah. the legit European champion, fighting for a world title soon. So that's the next stage. So you have yeah. kind of your medium term and your long term plans they're lo- you're looking at them every day you know and you're looking at what they're doing and you're saying right this is what I need this is the level yeah. I need to be given and it's to get all advice do you know what I mean even to pick their brains or to see what they're doing and trying and you have different styles like everyone, every single fight I do is completely different and P. Taylor's that to them you know he make he wants you to be a different style if you have something different he'll push you for that but um, so it's like I'll talk to an orthodox who comes forward and looks to bro and then I'll talk to like Declan Gary just there. He's a slick southpaw. So I'll talk to him a bit. Then you've um, Tyrone McKenna, who's a big, long range of orthodox as well. So you get to pick mm. everything from everyone. Like, and I'll see, I'll see someone throw a hook a bit different. Like they'll throw it over the jab. Say, and I'll ask them, what way do you time it? So you're just absorbed. It's great to bounce off people like yeah. that, isn't it? I think it's up to you as well to do it. You know, you can go, like you can bring a donkey to the well, you know, but you can't make him drink the yeah. water, you know? Yeah, I think that's, that's the difference between a good fighter and an excellent fighter. Yeah, because I remember um, even 
um, Kevin Lee. Remember he got beat by Tony Ferguson? Mm. He rang Tony Ferguson that night and was like, what way were you throwing them elbows? Yeah. But you, like, you need to have that type of mentality, you know? Like, you, yeah. you need to learn everything. You just need to want to consistently grow. Yeah. There's no egos in this, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you get beat or yeah, you get caught with that shot. But it depends on the fight or how they're going to grow. Right? We're going to get caught it again. Say, or... right, I've been milled with an uppercut three times there. You know, I can keep getting hit with it. Yeah. I can sort it out a bit. It's not, it's not really affecting me. It's not, it's not, there's no power behind it. But instead of saying, like, hold on, why am I getting caught with a boy? Yeah. Or even if you're watching something, like you are, like I love watching the all-skill fighters, you know? And because like, you just see so much variety with them, you know? And you'll see, right, that was nice what he done. So you'll zoom in on that bit and then you'll keep watching. Like I'll watch um, Pernell Whitaker and he does a slip and an uppercut to the mm. body, you know? So I'll go back and I'll see that. And then I'll just look through everything that he does and I'll see how he sets it up, how he throws it, how he moves off after it. You have to kind of, you have to be a student of the game, you know? Yeah, it really seems like you are even. A lot of guys just look at the Floyds or the Canelos, especially the way Canelo sets up his body to the head hooks. Yeah. But you're going back like, I even heard Floyd say, I take a bit of Tyson yeah, style, a, a bit of the Mexicans a bit. Yeah, like I love, um, like I'd look at Hector Camacho come forward aggressive southpaw but then you're looking at Pernell Whitaker so he's a counter puncher southpaw yeah. but you can get the best of both worlds you know um, but I think if you're not doing that and you're trying to get to world level or even get professional um, I think you need to ask some questions to yourself and it's good to have a, a, a range of sparring partners as well yeah. that can switch it up it's like if Pete was short minded and said no we're all going to be hands up elbows tight inside that's it like you'd, you'd you never you'd never would convey our belt and make everyone the one fighter but yeah. You're not going to get it. It's easier for the coach to do, of course, but you know, you're not going to get it and out of it, really. Yeah. Like if, if Gary's coming up against a slick southpaw who's hit and not get hit. So they, right, we have Paul throw him in. Exactly. There. If I'm coming up against someone long rangey. But that's what the um, back to the Irish team, they were kind of known for that. So you could kind of, you could have tactics for if you were fighting an Irish fighter, you know, mm, like you'd you see know. it. They'd have set game plans if they had an Irish fighter. They knew what to do with them, you know. And some countries are cute enough to pick up on it and some weren't. So, you know, if you become predictable, like, how far are you going to go? Yeah. Especially nowadays, social media, YouTube, yeah, everything's like, at the access. Back in the day, you know, it was only bleeding. You had nothing. You had a few videotapes. But now, like, you put in a name and you're getting everything. Yeah. Like Sparring footage. Even Instagram. Even, yeah, man, that I fought the last fight. I probably went too in-depth. But I was getting videos of a sparring, of it was bag work, of everything. And they're saying, right, he drops his hand before he throws a hook. He comes out with a V-guard, you know. So I went in saying, this shot is going to work every single time. I knew the uppercut was going to work every time. And I knew the hook over the top. And every time I threw it, it landed clean. But it's a tool and it's kind of not because you can watch it too much. And you can kind of think, right, he does that so good. So you kind of think of his strengths and you don't think of your strengths yeah, enough, you know. That's all. I was speaking to uh, Richard Shannon. He's a sports psychologist. And he was a lot on that. He works with fighters, and a lot. The first problem with fighters is that they come to him and they're saying what they're not doing. Yeah. I watch someone else. It's, you know, I keep getting caught with this. I keep, and he's big on like self talk and talking. But what am I gonna? Yeah. But what shots am I gonna throw? And, and visualizing fighting your fight basically. Um, Joe Rogan was saying about Khabib. You know, he's like he's gonna take you down, no matter how much you train for wrestling. He's yeah. gonna take you down. So instead of that, why don't you train for what you do? Yeah. You know? Like, there's no doubt about it. If he gets a hold of you, you're going on your back. I think that's why the Tony Ferguson fight was so enticing to people. Yeah, he, had, he was on the ground. He had his back game, you know. He, and he didn't really care, did he? No. He knew that Khabib was going to take him down, so. Yeah. Because you almost see it. It's like when they get taken down, you just see like, the look of panic in their face. It's just a freeze. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a... The deer in the headlights type of thing, isn't it? Miles was saying, he was over with them in uh, AKA that time. It was actually for the Connor fight, and uh, he was saying like he's literally like a wet hell. So there's yeah, no well, there's no yeah. space. So if he has a grip on you, there's no space in between the chest. Yeah, yeah. He's on you like there's no. And it's a lifetime of work, isn't it? Like he's yeah. perfected it. They were saying that even about Floyd, you know, like when you're with him, he's reading you. He, the eyes is the best thing about him. Like he's looking at your feet, he's looking at your legs, he's looking at every single thing about you, and he'll give you the first three rounds. He doesn't care about that. Yeah. But then the fifth round. As soon as, before you even throw a jab, he's got you. Yeah, popped. Andre, Andre Berto said it. He's like, seven rounds in, I didn't want to throw my jab. He's like, I just, I'd rather get hit than throw my jab because I knew that there was four punches coming back every time I threw it. Like, he's disabled for years. And, and I think, like, what do you think about this, Jake Paul, and uh, all this YouTube? What do you genuinely think about it? Um, like, I think for the likes of Mayweather coming back, fair enough, you're retired and all, like, but I don't know, it's a bit... Like, he's not a fighter. No. Have no. you seen him? He's, he's trying. And I think I've seen uh, 
I seen footage. Have you seen him? He's like saying I'm a I'm a born fighter. I'm a like mm. he's not. Yeah, he wouldn't last mean? with it. With, he wouldn't with, win an intermediate competition over there. No, there. no. He wouldn't win an amateur competition. Like, there's nothing there with him. And it, it boils back to what you were saying about the fundamentals. Yeah. Like, I think he's just an athletic bloke. That's that's it, really. Same with yeah. the older brother. He's just a big athletic bloke. They're big, it? yeah. They're in great shape. And they're athletic freaks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so they're kind of they're picking it up. Some, but if you look at like Ben Askren's no boxer. You know what I mean? They knew Man, he didn't even come in shape. He, he literally didn't give a rat's ass. Did he? he showed up for that few ball, but he didn't yeah. care. <laughs> he was riding off into yeah, the sunset. He, he was. Care. He didn't care if you won or lost. He was going down. The first dig he was getting with, he was going down. The yeah, he was. Sure, he already got humiliated by, by a high. So what's what's another humiliation? Yeah. You know what I mean? Literally. And get, what did he get? A few million for that? Well, his Porsche was half, and then and whatever then he his pay-per-view would have got pay-per-view points as well, wouldn't he? But he said the Porsche for that was more than everything he made. Yeah, one uh, in Bellator, like that's crazy. In Bellator pay like, but I think when they saying um that done one point five million pay per views. How do you know how that's broken up? So when you were saying that's done one point five, how did, what's their percentage? Know, just, that's just depend they, on what they, saying, what they negotiate for. They're saying that man Paul took sixty million out of that fight. Like that's crazy money. At the end of the day, like we're doing a podcast and we're talking about. Yeah, like, that's that's, it. that's what it's about, yeah. and it's obviously it's not what it's about. It's about again into a sport that you've. Not no business being in, but the kid's making money and he's making the name. You have BC squaring up doing, to him. He's doing 1.5 million numbers, like, you know, and he has people, he has everyone talking about him. So you're doing exactly what he wants you. If you love him or you hate him, yeah. he's making money, isn't he? That's like at the age of, oh, he's only young. It must be 25, 26. That's crazy, isn't it? Like, he's a kid at the end yeah, of the day yeah. he's not gonna know right I'm doing this and he put up a video there he's like I'm gonna go piss off for UFC for it and he's literally throwing it out the lads are buying and he's reading the yeah, in. that's saying. what he wants every time man. and the sad part is you go onto Twitter and you have all these I think what you said these guys that are earning under 50k are these they're salty about it I think you know they're that. like that cunt's making money, can't show a job, but yet they're calling them they're, out. You uh, can't shit on them and then... And these boys are 14 and all, 15 and all, fighting for their life, you know? Doing, and the thing is, like, how hard is he really training? You know, these yeah. boys are going and doing 12-week camps away from their family, away from everything. Yeah. You know, then, but that's just the way the world is now. It's numbers, isn't it? It's, it's, that's it's, it's numbers. But I think going back to the whole Floyd thing, people are saying, I'm saying, like, you're talking... A lot of the Irish lads are slanting it. Uh, and these are pro athletes saying, oh, what's Floyd? I can't believe this must be a mismatch. Like the fella is for the last 13 years, he's fought every world champion after world champion yeah. and beat them. So surely um, he can enjoy I think that. he's 28 and 0 or 26 and 0 in world title fights. Do you know what I mean? 40 odd. He, he, he deserves want, to. He wants to go and make 50 million bashing a YouTuber. Go ahead. Like it's not like he's yet, you know what I mean? But it's not like he's saying, I'll throw a belt and I'm the best ever and I'm coming yeah. back and all. He's just, he, he put, I only watched a video yesterday. He says, me and Jake or Logan Paul are going to go have some fun, make some money and that's it. That's all it is. If you're looking at it from that point of view, fair enough, but when your man starts saying how he's a boxer and he's the next thing and all, that's a hard sell, you yeah, know? It's, it's just wine and cunts up and you have like all the, the, the boxing in the UFC world is just calling them out and it's literally just for the payday. And you know he's not going to take any real for you. No. You know, but you'd, lo- you'd love for him to get in with a Canelo or something, wouldn't you? Even something like, even someone that's that middle tier that yeah. can actually put up a fight or even a decent, like he picked Ben Askren. Yeah. And who was it? What's the other Nate Robinson before that? I think he was a basketball player yeah. or something. And like an old, old basketball player, you know, but uh, yeah, the Ben Askren one's madness. Yeah. Like, same Whatever this- he picked, like, an MMA fighter that's known, like if he picked a Diaz, you know, that's known for having hands, yeah. but, you know, and he'll never fight someone that has hands, no. that's a live boy, never. It's, uh, he's riding out into the sunset. Absolutely, I'd say the, the fella's making money in his sleep, do you know what I mean? Like he's a walking, bleeding cash machine at this stage. And he's obviously making money on YouTube. I, I don't think he genuinely had to go into boxing, and I think that's where he's getting his ego from. Yeah. He didn't have to do yeah. with his shit. Yeah, that's it, because he, it's, he was uh, well off before, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it is what it is. Eddie Hearn seems to be bleeding, loving it. Yeah, he's wherever he's in. He's in everything though. He's running boxing now, you know. Like he has it wrapped up really realistically. I heard a sign. Like, remember when that COVID thing was uh, the that COVID thing, and the he was having them in his the headquarters, oh, the matching backyard. Yeah, I was saying like I don't know how I was put it up, and he was saying there's there's two types of boxes. There's the pimps and the bitches. <laughs> And you have to, he's literally in a million dollar mansion making all the money and yeah. you have these boxers walking out fighting for, I know he has this few lads that are making cash off, but it's just when you're looking at it, 
That's the business, man. Yeah, yeah, he has it wrapped up, you know. Like that's what they say, Aaron, we're hearing, you know, he has the whole thing. <laughs> that's genius. You know, he has the whole thing wrapped up, but like even the smaller, like the fringe level, like the British time cracking European level, they're making money, you know. Yeah. They're probably making three, four grand around. So if they're doing a ten ten round fight, they're probably making thirty grand. What yeah. what 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 determines how much you make in boxing? Is it the fact that it's your management? Yeah, so it'll be your management. They'll fight for your person, it'll be a promoter as well. So if you were a promoter, they'll give you a set. If you were a manager, they'll give you a set as well. But then it's your deductions that'll kill you. Like you have to get pay the promoter a percentage, you have to pay your manager a percentage, your trainer a percentage, and then you have to pay taxes on the whole lot of it. But um like there's crowds out in America that are called themselves promoters, they'll give you a thousand pound, a thousand dollars for Six round fight. Is that good in boxing? Not really. If you think if you break it down, like you're doing a ten week camp, you've a thousand dollars, you know. But it's less than minimum wage, really, when you look mm. at it. Like if you really do that, you have to use so you have a, you get a thousand dollars, ten percent goes to the promoter, twenty goes to your manager, ten goes to your trainer. You left about five hundred quid. Probably, yeah. And that's for ten weeks of trying ten weeks of putting your body through hell as well. Like that's a like a debut. Yeah. So from there, then you'd want to probably crack about ten and up, win a national type of title or a European, like some type of continental title. Mm. Then you might be up in the ten, fifteen grand range. But then you're fighting lads on the exact same level, you know. Like there's no more handy fights. Yeah, you have to earn it. It's like snakes and ladders. Then after that, you know, like one one loss, you're back down. You're three fights away. So it's a hard graft. It's a different. Uh... It's there's always such a comparison to even Dana we get shit about how he pays the fours in the boxers but as we said that 3% uh, study is crazy yeah. you know 50 grand like I think yeah when you look at the extremes of it yeah Canelo makes 40 million a fight but how many like there's so many that aren't Canelo you know mm-hmm. whereas at least in the UFC you're gonna make what is it 8 and 8 I think that's the the start that's eight and eight. First fight, I think eight and eight, yeah right? and then 11 and 11 and then if you do have some sort of a name or an some sort of background like a wrestling or a, you can come in and negotiate just show poor so yeah. regardless so I think the great. average it's a flatter rate you know but there's a bigger average really there for and you. there's less of a drop like as you said if you if you are eight and up and you're getting paid that eight ten grand and you lose you're kind of back down you're at back the down ufc to, you're kind of still at least there like if you like you're say you're ranked top 10 you'll take a loss you're still going to get a top 10 fight next yeah. in the ufc you know Happens to you in boxing. You're four fights away from getting back into that top ten. It's all promoters as well, though, you know, like and each promoter works with a different um organization. Like so the I know that Frank Warren, he works with the WBA closely, so you'll only fight really people in that bracket, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas in the UFC, does you're fighting like that's the best organization, you know, so you're fighting everyone there. So like you can fight number two will fight number four, then number four will fight number six and Everyone fights everyone, really, you know, but in boxing, the politics t- kind of stops you from it. It's watered down, is it? Would you rather, not as much, would you rather the organisations or would you rather one organisation, one title, one more Yeah, no, I think the team. one, the one title, like, remember back in the 70s, like, with the 80s, with, like, Hagler, they, they were the man, they were just their world champion, yeah. there was nothing else, you know, but then, it was just used for money, like, um, the WBO belt, top rank made that, do you know that? No. They actually created this belt for their own champions. They gave it out to the likes of uh, Manny Pacquiao. They gave it to um, Zabjiu. They, they gave it to all their world champions. Well, all the big stars, and yeah. they made them world champions. They made a whole commissioner around this whole thing. So then they could say, top rank has 18 world champions. But, you Do know, they? They're, yeah, they're manufactured yeah, yeah, belts. Yeah. Like, and that's what everyone's done now. Like, I think the... If you go through the Irish rankings, you'll get a BUI title, then you'll get a WBA title. But before you get a WBA title, you have to sign with a promoter. So then, like, you're not just going to get a WBA title on your own, you know? Mm. So that promoter will have to say, yeah, we've Paul Ryan. He's a WBA world, world champion. So you're not getting it on your own. Like, it's all through the promoter. Yeah. Is that one organization that's, that's more, you'd rather, like, that's a bit more replicable over the others? Is that one? Um, the only one that's actually real clean well not even real clean like they're all crooks but the only one that's clean <laughs> is um, the WBC are the only organisation in boxing that even make you get drug tested do you, they don't do a random drug testing the others don't no uh, and so it's called a voluntary anti-doping association and you don't have to do it but if you don't do it the WBC won't rank you <laughs> but everyone else like not a problem and then it's like 
the drug testing in boxing is like you'll get tested the day of your fight. So you could cheat. You could cycle right up to that and cut it down and not yeah. a problem. Like it's crazy. But then like if you compare that to MMA, like you said that or on it, aren't you? They're waking up at two in the morning, pissing you have that to text take them. If you move out of your state, you have to text you have to update them Yeah, I think they you have to give three three most common places you're gonna be. So the gym, your Mrs. Gaff and whatever mcdonald's yeah, that's mad, yeah. so they show up and they literally take the little lad out watch you go yeah off they go mad. and, and it's any ha- time isn't it like, yeah any time and stuff yeah and there's com- the consequences that if you're not there and you can't show up within an hour that there's consequences of it yeah but it's literally with most organizations in boxing first of all like you don't even get tested till you hit a world level until you hit like a world title fight yeah. and then when you do it's like we're going to test you the day of or else if you do the, the voluntary anti-doping, they're going to say to you, we're coming next week to test you. So, yeah, it's not really, like, a surprise, you know? Yeah, it is. It do, it's, the, more, the more you know about it, the more you kind of don't want to know about and it. And then it's all through pay, you know? Like, um, there's a reason why Eddie Hearn will only have Anthony Joshua fight in the UK, you know? Yeah. Or in Saudi Arabia. There's a reason he's not going over to the American anti-doping associations, if you look into like it. Like, when you look at him, genuinely, when you look at him, I don't think any man can produce as no. much testosterone at a cardio-based sport. Yeah, like how are you holding it for? Like, if you watch his last fight with Andy Ruiz, he boxed at a high pace on the back foot for 12 rounds. <laughs> and he's, what's he, 6 foot 5 and has yeah. about 3% body fat? Do you know, but he's not, when you watch his training videos, he's pad walking, he's doing the odd bit of maybe weight employment. He has the, the body uh, type that he's pumping on every day. Yeah. Like, and he, he probably has the body where you could not do it. If, let's say if he stopped doing his body, just eat himself and just be ran down yeah, straight away. Yeah, it taunt, it taunt. Then if you look at him compared to Fury, that big go, fast, skinny legs and all, just completely. He's that fat skinny. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But then he'll go for 12 rounds on his toes, moving. Toys on Sunday. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? He's, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's what I was asked about the strength condition. It's, it's crazy. When you look back at Hagler Hearns, yeah. there was no such thing as a fucking... You're going to do like heavy bench press. They used to, yeah, because it was back then, if you lift weights, they're going to be slow and stiff and all. They had that all day, didn't they? It was literally, what's going to get me here? Boxing. Like, we're going to just box more. Yeah. We're going to do a bit of walk box and whatever, skip. There's a deadly video I had. I have on my phone, actually, um, of the Soviet Union boxing team back in the 40s doing strength and conditioning out on the beach. So they're doing like the rock throws. Are they, yeah? The landmine presses and all. They're doing every, but that's back in the 40s. Like they're doing all sport specific. They're doing um, Olympic lifts and all. Back before, like 60 years before anyone else was doing it. And then like, they're out dominating in every aspect of, of sport. Did you, did you watch Icarus? No, I haven't watched the whole did thing. Did you not? No. Madness, is it? I've heard it. Like, I, I watched I, it twice. Backward, yeah. Oh, uh, it's just, it's just, just, just how dirty they are, yeah. Do you, do you know the concept behind it? Yeah, that? I know the gist, like, uh, state funded, wasn't it? It was state funded, yeah. Your man literally, uh, Brian Fogel, started, uh, he wanted to see cycle the hardest amateur competition clean. And then so he uh, doped. And he was doping to the best, but as he was finding the best, he just unraveled this fucking, ah, oh, people are showing up dead yeah. and all, and it was just fucking crazy. Because the Russian government were actually paying, right? They were funding, they, they were, yeah, it was funded. The only people yeah. they didn't dope was the figure skaters because it fucked with the, the balance or something. I don't know, there was an imbalance on the, on the ice or so, but that's the everything else they doped. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Because I think they done the thing before with the Tour de France where they went through every person that was, they went, every person that was on gear. After that. They were going to give it to whoever was, it was like, he came like 14. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like Lance Armstrong gets shitted on and yeah. it's saying, yeah, but like, like all in steroids. There's the numbers, like the, the first fellow that was clean came 14, 14. so you're going to call him the winner, are you, like, you know? Yeah. But it's that, if like, if you took what, if we took what Lance Armstrong took, we're not going to go out and do, do what he's doing, you know? Never. You like, can't, steroids doesn't, it doesn't get you first People, think that, hard, people hard think that if you just take a bit of gear, you're going to look like Ronnie Coleman and you're going to be doing the numbers that Lance Armstrong is doing, yeah. but it's not the case at all. It's them early mornings. It's still that mindset, it's still yeah. that hard work. It's just, it's the recovery. But he was ahead of the game, Lance. Like he was doing mad stuff. Um, He never failed a test, did he? No. He, no. Was, he was doing mad blood doping, wasn't he? Like he was like, Doing blood doping as he was getting tested, no. Yeah, Mad stories yeah, about it's him. crazy. And then, then to see a transfer with TJ Dillashaw, did you see he got popped? Yeah, NPL he's back well. now, isn't he? Though he's supposed he got injured. With, uh, yeah, uh, but his, his band's lifted, isn't it? It's lifted to, to see EPO and them toys make their way into yeah. MMA. Because yeah, the just, first one was um 
What's the, remember the Russian fella he, he fought um, Mighty Mouse oh Ali Bagatino he was one of the first to like mainstream yeah. the test for it wasn't he typical Russian yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah it was mad with TJ wasn't it because but how, how many do you reckon are really doing this is it the only thing with it is you know when you get like the John Jones uh, situation it's oh it was through a tainted supplement and, but EPO you actually have to self inject yeah, yeah. so it's you can't there's no case behind it yeah it's a weird one but that's why now we see the Olympics they freeze their blood for five years yeah, and they test it again because yeah. it's a cat and mouse game. Like you know, they're just chasing you constantly. Yeah, it's it is. It's especially now that I can't believe that the WBO can actually fuck with the testing. Yeah, like they'll pay. They'll because if they know UK is a bit lenient, then um, New York they'll hold the World Title fight there. You know, or even like, I know it's all different states over there. It's their own thing. So if they know California's lenient. Yeah. They're gonna do it there. You know, it's weird. Like. And then a brown envelope under the table. This is it. It's not really the best versus the best anymore. No, it's the most profitable. Speaking of the most profitable, yeah. you know. Like, even that fight last night, Nick Conlon was fighting. It was a tie fight. One judge scored it 118 to 112, like something like that. Yeah. But then two other judges gave it a draw and one round in between. So where is that coming from, you know? Yeah. And if Mick wasn't as profitable to that crowd, maybe he wouldn't have won it, you know? 100%. 100%. 100%. got the the background he had that's it if he, he hadn't had to push because they know they're gonna bring a world title fight up to Belfast and they'll do 20,000 people probably you know so make, yeah make a few mil off and yeah. so and what's he does the New York one every year and he sells out Madison Square Garden every Paddy's Day you know so they'd be mad to give that one up would you, would you like to eventually go over to America and fight for this or, or would yeah you I've like already make... asked for it they have because they're doing their one next year on Paddy's Day I, they're going to just I ring them up I look through box rec through the calendar every day and I see a date and I'm like that's a nice date I'll screenshot it and I'll send it off to them but I'm back out on August 100% um, it should be hopefully it's in Belfast it'll have a live audience at it if not it's going to be August 100% so if we do August then October then December that's how it might look so far and all by the end of the year and then I'd like you know it's title 80 next year so you have plans yeah 100% yeah so what's your what's your training like so what's if you were to map out your weekly training um, from your sparring, your road work, training, conditioning, or drills. What 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 does it look like? Monday to Friday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is all technical. It's all drills. Then we'll do a bag session twice a week, and we'll do one open spar a week, and then I'll do two strength and conditioning and two sprint sessions a week. And then depending on where we are, I'll do more long runs than sprints, and then the closer you go, you'll taper it down. You know. Yeah. But um. I just get told to jump and say how high really, you know. I don't I don't I don't really plan my own thing that much. Um I just do me I'll do my field, that's it. But everything else will be up to P. He has a knowledge of everything. He has the whole thing wrapped up, yeah. He has um the strength and conditioning game, he has the skills, everything about it. So um all the lads are in top condition as well, you know, so there's no question about it. you can just look at them and say yeah, it's good to be to, to, to be with that that, that lad and slack. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can't slack. Like if I was looking at them and they weren't up to a standard I'd be I'd ask some questions, you know, but yeah. they're all super fit, super conditioned, super on it, you know. It seems like everybody in that gym is, has the same goal, the one mindset. You know what it is? It's a competition almost like. Yeah. He does eight punches on the bag, I'll do ten punches on the bag and it's like Everyone tries to one up each other, you know. And it's pure healthy. Yeah, it's that's pure healthy. There's no it's not out of badness, it's just like right. It's like you, or you do your treadmill runs and you say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be number one today. Yeah. Just, he'll beat you by three seconds and then like, you'll go home. You have to go home with that in your head and all, you know. That's all they're thinking about. And, and it's just, just pushing each other. It's just it, literally, yeah. I remember, I'm, I'm a terrible runner. Yeah. And when we used to do strength conditioning in the mornings, um, Andy would always be there and he'd always be looking and he'd always be kind of on you and pushing yeah. you. And I remember, I, we'd do 400 meter run. And I was always dead last. And I remember one time he just pulled me and he said, like, he doesn't say, it's just, next time don't be last. Yeah. And it wasn't anything to it. It was just, that's and all, you know, your, goal, yeah. your stomach drops and you're saying, like, it's almost a pressure because yeah. his, his, his guidance opinion does mean a lot yeah. to you. And I think I came second. Like, that's those, it. Like, no, one, no one ever wants to be, you never want to be beaten by anyone in Ireland. No. Do you know what I mean? So when you have that, it's like the lads, like I said to you, Gary's at a stage you now I want to be in two years so I'm doing everything he's doing I'm trying to do it better than him you know and there's some things I won't do but I'm going to break me bollocks down it you know so 
that's good. And then they look at me and do the same thing. So it's that yeah. kind of, it's like a shark tank, you know? It's a second pair of eyes to say, and, and it's nice when someone sees the potential that they can yeah. do in it. You might say, right, as you say, eight punches, and people might come up and say, right, this is where we're going to switch it up. And you end up doing double and you're saying, all right. We got, we had a chat with Pete on Monday and he says, what you do, what you, what got you here is what's going to win your world title, you know? Mm-hmm. He says, what you've done as an amateur, your style, he says, there's no need to throw it away. People think that, you know, so quick that when you go to the pro, everything changes. It's not. You keep what you do. Um, he says, we're going to change you. You know, we're going to pull it. We're going to change a little few things. We're going to pull you back. You're not going to be. He says, all you have to do is five or six good, clean combinations in a round and not get hit and you're going to win a round. So it's just being told something like that by someone looking in, you know. And then you see, he, he'll give someone like Gary was sparring yesterday. He'll say the same thing to Gary. And you see, right, that actually does work, you know. There's nothing better when a coach that sees what you got, doesn't try to change it, yeah. lets you blossom into the fighter you want to become and just guide you, pushes you in these directions. And it's, it's, it's one of the best things a coach can do. Yeah, I think it shows a good coach. You know, it's like that if you can have a coach that just wants you to box this one way and this is the only way and yeah. it's just this and all, but that doesn't work. Everyone's their own fighter, you know? 100%. So I think you lay down your fundamentals and you show them what path is and then whatever way they want to go about it they'll go about it 100% so where can people find you if they want to reach out and follow your career um, Facebook Paul Ryan I'm not really on that to be honest um, Instagram and Twitter is uh, Paul Ryan Boxing get me on that if you want to yeah yeah. and the plans going forward to get out in August August October December hopefully and then um, twice in December Christmas Day yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, early one in the new year and then I would like an Irish title but it's all up to the the brass up top you know yeah well look Paulie I really appreciate your time thanks for coming on brother good time I do appreciate it